I'm RJ Bell with the sports betting headlines for Tuesday. Brooklyn with a big win in San Antonio. The first time they won in San Antonio in, wow, 16 years. That's amazing. And Harden had an amazing line himself. We'll go over it. He's the sixth player in NBA history to accomplish this feat. College basketball, it's March Madness time. If you haven't been caught up, let's make it simple. Gonzaga and Baylor, 50% chance to win it. Everybody else, 50% chance. we got two dominant teams that are not particularly pedigreed. Tonight in the NBA, the Clippers at Boston. we got a best bet on this one. Clippers favored by four and a half. Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas Truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. This is Straight Out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm R.J. live in Las Vegas, live on a Tuesday, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. We got basketball. We got NBA. We're going to tickle just a little bit of college basketball and ramp it up as March Madness continues. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. Now, I'm the pro. He's the Joe in L.A., Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we have some veteran releases in the NFL, we've got one team still trying to figure out the plan at quarterback. What is the Vegas lead here on this Tuesday? Zion. It's, it's, I think we're seeing some a level of performance from Zion that really speaks well to being one of the five most important players in the league before too long, and they beat the best team so far in the NBA. Let's start there. Yeah, and Zion Williamson still just 20 years old, but the New Orleans Pelicans star gets a 129-124 win over the Utah Jazz last night. The the stat line for Zion Williamson, 26 points, 10 boards, 5 assists, as he continues to get better and better seemingly every single game. Okay, so... Zion played Milwaukee and now Utah. And you could make the case that's two of the very best, if not the two best, but right there, centers, rim defenders in the NBA. If you haven't watched a bunch of Zion or if you haven't noticed it, Zion is about explosion to the hoop. So he's not a great outside shooter. He's, you know, it's really about getting to the rim. And a lot of people have talked about Barkley back in the day, and I see some of that, against Gobert for Utah and against the Greek freak Giannis from Milwaukee, I was pessimistic. I thought those were two of the matchups that would be problematic for Zion. Now, let's keep in mind, the two games he had played against Milwaukee in his career, he was about 21 points a game, well below his uh, career average, season averages. And that told us, okay, that rim protection with a guy that doesn't shoot well from the outside, it's effective. It wasn't effective this time. And then Gobert wasn't effective. 
So at this point, if Zion is limited, we'll say, in just his ability to go to the hoop, but the best hoop defenders can't stop him, that means he's not limited at all. He can do what he wants seemingly every game. And about a month ago, early February, the Pelicans started doing a lot of pick and roll where Zion specifically was the point forward. Point Zion, as they're calling it now. The Ringer website had a good um, video breakdown on this. And it's a situation where the guys guarding Zion are not used to getting picked, especially out high. And thus, they're not particularly adroit at avoiding the picks. And Zion only needs a little bit of a brush, and there's no way they're stopping him. So not only has Zion had a good season, though the Pelicans' defense hasn't, I think the last month has shown another facet to his game. And I believe the culmination of that is two really good games against two of the best defenders I could not, on the offensive side of the ball, be more optimistic than I am right now on Zion. Jonas, what's your thoughts? I just love the fact that he does it old-fashioned. It's it's not this stand behind and shoot a bunch of threes. It's He hardly takes threes at all. He takes the ball. He gets to the basket, tries to draw contact, or just scores. And, and just the idea that that can still work in the NBA, I think, is a good thing for the NBA. We talked about it after the Super Bowl, where seeing Tampa Bay go out there and win with physicality and win the way that they did was a good thing for the NFL. Otherwise, it was just going to turn into this awesome offensive league that would have been the opinion uh, Kansas City is just going to run away with it every year because they have all the weapons on offense to see a different style have an effect like Zion style having an effect close to the basket I think is a great thing for the game that's Jonas Knox I'm RJ Bell we are straight out of Vegas I think you make a really good point but I think it's predictable not just with Zion but let's go back to Golden State for a moment and think about when they came on the scene, won the first title, then they had the uh, 73 wins, etc., is they were so good, partially because they were innovative on offense, but what did that innovation lead to? It led to them getting their pick of players that fit the system that only they ran. And then the opponents would only see that system and that uh, lineup of death specifically when they played Golden State. As the years passed, more and more teams started playing a similar style. So not only were the players well-suited for that style spread around more, but additionally, every team saw it more often. And that's part of the drop-off with Golden State. Even when they had Durant, to some degree, there was a drop-off. Again, that the defense is just being familiar with it. I think it's an economic issue, Jonas, in that the guys that play well in the old school schemes in the NBA are not as desirable to a lot of teams. Thus, economically, they're going to be more available for a team like New Orleans. So I think in general, there's a a zig and a zag, a yin and a yang when there's these evolutions in the schemes. And I would make the case, and I'm just going by what I've read this NFL offseason, But obviously, and you said it very appropriately, Tampa, uh, you know, an old school team, 
But actually, you look at it in Belichick. Now, again, maybe that was because of Cam and his limitations were very physical. And you're seeing more more fullbacks now because the theory is if they're going to have a bunch of 240-pound linebackers that can run really fast, well, maybe they aren't as good if they're getting muscled. So the thing I love about sports is it, it doesn't stay the same, right? If it was, yeah. and, and we iterate in this 2021 in the modern era so much quicker. It used to be 10-year cycles in the 70s and the 80s, West Coast offense. Now these cycles are like three years. And to me, that's, that's particularly exciting. Yeah, well, they talk about it um, when it comes to PED use in sports. They'll say, you know, you can test all you want, but somebody somewhere has got the next way to cheat and, and cover up and pass a test or the next way to – it's like in sports, you can come up with the greatest scheme, the greatest offense, defense, whatever the case may be, and somebody somewhere is figuring out a way to beat that, and then you have to react, and it just continues to go on and on. And that's why, look, the Wildcat offense was really popular for a couple of years in the NFL and then somebody figured it out you've seen this in sports over over you know since I've been watching sports um, all these years and so to see this start to take effect I think is a lot of fun for the game and I agree and I've, I've been you know fortunate enough just you know some over the years uh, a couple of my good buddies are uh, college coaches in, in football and I've gone to a few camps and stuff and it's funny with the guys that are really the uh, scholarship guy, not scholarship, but academic, where they studied everything from the past. They'll be like, yeah, you know, the Wildcat was really a single wing with this tight end, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it really is oftentimes a, rep- a variation on a theme from yeah. something from the 50s or the <laughs> 60s. And, and it's funny, if you go back through the NFL uh, record book, yeah, there were a lot of low scoring years back then, but there were a lot of years... I think the most yards in a game is still Norm Van Brocklin, I think, like 505. <laughs> I, check that, McKenzie. I think that, that's, that's classic research right there. But, um, you know, so there, there certainly were the ears they threw a lot, even though it seems like we just kept throwing more and more. And that was back when the uh, – the, uh uprights were at the goal line not 10 yards back so not only did the receiver have to worry about getting hit by the safety he had to worry about running into the goal post well uh, because I, it was so i'm thinking if i'm if i'm a defender i'm worried about running into the goal post <laughs> more yeah that's i'm true. about we're straight out of vegas let's do this let's take a early break when we come back i'm not sure zion well first though did we get that stat there mckenzie huh he must not be connected with us um We'll get that when we come. So we got a double tease here. One is we've got the most passing yards in NFL history stat, which, we, you know, if you're driving, we'll help you with that. But, but number two, I'm not sure Zion. In fact, I don't think Zion had the best night in the NBA. And this is a guy that maybe should be in the MVP conversation, but he isn't. And he's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree with intervention. I disagree with protocol. If you speak out against the words and the hammer's gone far. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will get into a monster performance last night in the NBA. I tell you, man, it, 
MVP conversation should be. I don't know if it should. This is an interesting debate. Harden, amazing performance, amazing run with the Nets. We'll get right to that. This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audience has doubled in the last year plus. Thank you so much for the support. We're going to keep working extra hard to keep the winners coming. We got a best bet coming in tonight's big NBA game at the end of the show, end of the hour. You can listen on the iHeartRadio app. Just search for Straight Out of Vegas, right here in Vegas on the Strip. 68 degrees, the neon is chugging. We talked about Zion's big performance last night for the New Orleans Pelicans. James Harden outdid him himself with a triple a triple double last night against the San Antonio Spurs. 30 points, 15 assists, 14 boards, Brooklyn a 124-113 win over San Antonio in overtime. If I asked you Jonas and I said pretty please, when I'm done with the Harden, would you give a Norm Van Brocklin um, he, it was actually 554 yards, but would you do it like it just happened and say, this just in 554 yards from, you know, you, you want to yeah, do I that? Yeah, I can make that happen. I can All make right, that awesome. Yeah. All right, see, I mean, every five minutes there's something interesting <laughs> happening right here. James Harden should be what would be in the MVP conversation, if not at the top of the heap, if it weren't for the beginning of the season with Houston. And to be candid, I'm kind of known as a, oh, he's tough on the players. Maybe, maybe. I don't know if it's tough, you know, but I want him to, like, play hard. I want him to uh, honor their contract. But, you know, again, I get it that there's a lot of reasons historically that they're aggrieved, right? And I just, I think at some point it's got to even up and then we got to start kind of living by the deals. But... That's another conversation, but with Harden, he is so amazing with Brooklyn. I almost want to forget about his tank job or whatever you want to call it in Houston. I can't, but boy, I want to because you look at his stats since he went to Brooklyn. 25 points a game. Okay. That's down significantly, right? He was last year, 34 points a game. 11 assists, 11.3 assists. Last year, he had seven plus, seven and a half, but still, that's a big jump. 8.3 rebounds. Last year, it was 6.6. So, 25, 11, and 8. He's a smidge away from a triple-double, like averaging that, that holy grail. Westbrook won the MVP off of that. Now, you look at his shooting percentage, 49%. Three-point percentage, Harden, 42%. Free throw, 86. So the holy grail there is 50, 40, 90. So 50% from the field, oh my gosh, making half his shots. 40 from three, oh, that's amazing. And then 90 from the line, Larry Bird style, he's a smidge away from that. So to me, we knew Harden was good. But we knew he was good in a single system that was was, uh, catered to him. I mean, they brought people in specifically to help time after time. And then if he soured on them after a year, they were gone. Chris Paul, bye-bye. We don't like it you anymore because Harden doesn't. Here he was the outsider coming into Brooklyn. And I got to tell you, Jonas, we'll go through some of these other Brooklyn numbers. But because, again, I think they probably should be favored 
to win the title. But and what's really amazing is they've only had uh, six games with all of the big three. But what's your take on Harden and his integration and his willingness to kind of be a team guy? What's your take? Well, I think it was either going to come down to him or Kyrie that was going to handle the ball and play point. And they recognize, and whoever made the decision, you know, Kyrie Irving says, you know, it was me who made the decision, whatever. They were better served with Harden because Harden's a better point guard than Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, with the ball in his hands, is going to try and make plays to get himself baskets, which is fine if you need to give Harden a rest and you still need the points on the floor. But Harden has shown the ability throughout the course of his career that that he does pass the ball, that he does make the right decisions. It's not like this is new to him having to play with stars before. He's played with great players before, whether it's Westbrook and Durant and Chris Paul and others. So I I think that was really where everything switched. That's really the best decision they made was trusting him as the decision maker on that offense and let Kyrie play off the ball and, and still generate his points and get his baskets when needed. That's Jonas Knox. I'm RJ Bo. We're straight out of Vegas. All right, so Jonas, I agree if this were a uh, video game, if this was NBA 2K something, I'm a Tech Mobile guy, but I I would agree with you schematically it made sense, And but did you have no doubt about the egos, did you think it was a foregone conclusion that they wouldn't be fighting over the ball? That they wouldn't. And I'm not saying they're going to be having a fist fight on the court, but we know NBA stars can be pretty much prima donna sometimes. And when you got three of them, and let's not forget, Durant left Golden State. It seems, at least from reporting, he wanted his own team. And if it was, it seems like that n- none of the big three yet have had the beginnings of a conflict and to me that is the story yeah that's and that is a surprise and i think i think there would have been a conflict if kyrie irving was running point because i don't know that he would have been able to get the other guys as involved as harden is able to do and so because of that it feels like everybody's happy right now. Now, whether or not this this stays the course, and I mean, we've seen Kyrie Irving have stretches where he's all about the team and he's having fun and all that, and then something happens and he sort of does his own thing. So if this just stays the course, I don't know who beats them in the Eastern Conference. Like I'm, I, I yeah. don't, I, I just, I think it's, I think it's a wrap. But again, as you point out, you've got the egos; they could flare up at any time. You just never know when some, some, somebody's going to push somebody's button, and then that's really where. We wait to see what happens moving forward. I think that you're right, obviously, about OKC and how back then there were some stars there or big stars, and Harden was a sixth man. And to me, that's kind of the point, right? He was the last guy drafted. He was the sixth man, led that the second unit, and he was subordinate to the higher drafted and older players, Durant and Westbrook. And then he became maybe the most coddled superstar in the NBA, where maybe coddled's not the right word, but the the teams were tailored. You know, Daryl Morey tailored tailored those Rockets teams to Harden. And yeah, CP3 was there until Harden didn't want him there. Then he was gone. So he was the boss. There was other big names, big stars, yeah, but he was the boss. And if you weren't the boss when you were a kid or you were real young, that's one thing. But then you got, what, 10 years almost, eight years where he's the boss to then go somewhere else and seemingly do it with no friction. 
I'm impressed and I'm surprised. And I think these stats are going to scare the rest of the NBA because it's one thing to say, okay, you know, he's been there and they're 23 and 13. And that's what Brooklyn is. That's a good record. But check out this split. This is scary. Against winning teams. So winning record at the time they play, 12 and 2 straight up. The Brooklyn Nets, 10 and 4 against the spread. Winning the game by over 7 per game, 7 points per game. Against non-winning teams, 11 and 11. So 500 against losing teams, effectively. And 12 and 2 Brooklyn against winning teams. What does that tell us? It tells us it's a question of motivation. The losing teams are worse. So they're not going to be losing against them unless they're not trying. You might say, RJ, they're supposed to try every game. Okay, I agree. But if they try when they play winning teams, who are they going to be playing in the playoffs? I mean, imagine a team being 12-2 and against winning teams, and then you add in the following. They've only had six games out of the 26 with the big three intact playing. And they lost the first one, and they're 5-0 and straight up, Brooklyn is, with Harden, Durant, and Irving on the court. So they got a great record against winning teams. They got a great record with the big three on the court, and we haven't really seen only about half their games against winning teams, and only six of their games have been with the big three. And if you actually go in and take a gander at the offense and defense – it shows you its effort again with the non-winning losing teams because they're actually giving up three more points per game on defense than Vegas expected. And when they play winning teams, they give up two points less. So there's about a five-point defensive swing when they play. And again, these are better teams, so they're supposed to score more points. Brooklyn can play decent defense, maybe league average, especially with Durant back, because he's a real good defender, especially against the small fives. When Durant's back, if they're all healthy, I don't even think Jonas were getting a full flavor of how good Brooklyn can be. And if you told me every team was going to be healthy, and obviously this isn't the case, but if every team's going to be healthy through the finals, I take Brooklyn and I don't even blank. Yeah, I, I would too at this point. Uh, and, and not a bad first gig for Steve Nash, huh? I mean, uh, to end up with this trio. It's not, not, a bad, uh, not a bad working environment for him when it comes to finding wins and having talent on the floor. No doubt. And, but again, it's one of those – it's almost like – not like Phil Jackson, but it's a special talent to handle those egos. Yeah. And we'll be talking about here in a little bit, about 20 minutes or so, a little less, that Boston – you you got uh, Stevens is uh you know so I you know I heard a lot of things a year and a half ago. Well, I used to think Popovich, but you know, and it's like now it's Stevens. It's like okay, maybe with an under or a uh, team without superstars. But how did he do with Irving? Not very well. But not very many people have done well with Irving. But now it doesn't seem like he's doing too well with the you know the Tatum and Brown evolving into superstars. And I'm not saying I would get rid of Stevens. I'm saying that it's a question and it's a special skill to uh, coach. The superstars, are, quite frankly, are more valuable than any coach. That you know, uh, what team? If, if it came down to it, what team is going to let their coach stay and let Durant or you know even Irving leave? No, no. It's, the players are always going to get 
you know, going to get picked over the coaches every time. And you think about it, how hard is it to coach if you don't really have authority? Effectively, you are subordinate to the superstar. It's yeah. kinda, It's got to be tough. Yeah, no, it's not not ideal for, for I think a lot of coaches. Uh, probably wears them out a little bit at night. <laughs> Up next, we're going to talk about J.J. Watt and how I think, and Colin specifically had a very interesting point. I agreed with him, but I think his conclusion was opposite what it should have been. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Straight Out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. You can always check out the show on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell. You know, Jonas, I was wondering about that 1951 uh, L.A. Rams game. You you got the box score? Yeah, and it's funny you ask. Uh, it just went final at the Coliseum. <laughs> uh, it was all Rams as they put on a whooping with a 54-14 to win over the New York Yanks. And the story of this game is the great Norm Van Brocklin, 554 yards for the Rams in front of 30,000-plus there at the Coliseum, RJ. Well, I... <sighs> I mean, I can't believe my best bet of the year was over passing yards for Van Brocklin. <laughs> that was, but again, we had a big advantage there. He didn't have a face mask, so it was easier to see, yeah. see the entire field. <laughs> that was pretty good, Jonas. I can't <laughs> lie. All right, let's talk about J.J. Watt. Um, Jonas, you really do, and I say this sincerely, a good job in get, getting the pulse of the media. Like, what is the consensus? What was your takeaway after a day or so of – the J.J. Watt reaction to the uh, signing. Uh, that he, if he was all about winning a Super Bowl and that was the big priority to go win, then why would he have picked Arizona? That's mm-hmm. that's sort of the what what I've gathered from a lot of people. They're trying to figure out what what was the reason, real reason for going to Arizona when reportedly Buffalo and all these other teams that were you know much better teams, closer to what it would seem like you know being a contender for a Super Bowl were available and and wanting his services. Why would he choose Arizona? Yeah, and we were uh, daily listeners. Know we were at the forefront of that conversation, and it, some of it was just the timing of the when it all went down. But to me, that really stuck out like a sore thumb is the 17th favorite to win the Super Bowl was Arizona, is Arizona, which means they're below average. And if you dig in even deeper and think they're probably, and it's hard to debate, they're probably the worst team in their division. Now, again, if you're 17th, it doesn't mean you can't do something. It's just like, how could that, you know, it's not like Kyler Murray. If there's any quarterback in the NFL that I think is clearly overrated, it's probably Kyler Murray would be certainly at the top of my list. Who, who, what would be on the Jonas list of the two or three, like overrated quarterbacks? Oh, geez. Um, man, I would need a couple of minutes. Would you have, would you have Murray on that list? I would I would have Murray on the list of I'd be concerned going into year three because I, th- all this whole the way they did this whole thing is they walked away from Steve Wilkes their head coach after a year they walked away from the quarterback they moved up to draft in the top ten and this was all about the Kyler Murray Cliff Kingsbury pairing and with the way they finished last season. 
and that includes that Hail Mary win against the yep. Bills. I don't know how anybody that's a Cardinal fan can go into year three thinking, all right, this, this is this is exactly what we were hoping for when we paired these two guys together. I just I I've been disappointed by it so far. It's interesting because I think they've exceeded my expectations, but I had low expectations. Okay. And I think they've fallen short of the consensus. I mean, remember, Kyler Murray got a lot of MVP batting coming in the year two, because remember, uh, Mahomes won at year two, Lamar won at year two. There was a trend of year two emergences and Murray was the pick. And, if you look at the midseason when he had a, a banged up shoulder, Kyler Murray, and he was not running the ball, and it's not just he wasn't running it effectively, he just wasn't running. He didn't want to take those hits, apparently. And I get it if you're injured, right? But he's the offense stagnated. It is so contingent, reliant, the Arizona offense on Murray running. And that might work for a while. But we know in the NFL, a running quarterback has trouble with durability, especially if you're 5'7". Now, <laughs> Murray might be 5'8 or 9". I, I know he's not taller than that because I stood next to him and at the Super Bowl two years ago. I mean, the guy is – I get it. He avoids hits. But, Jones, you've been – I mean, uh, <laughs> you with – um. Uh, you, you've been around a bunch of NFL guys. You you host a show with one. Qu- yeah. Brady Quinn, a quarterback's like six five, six four. Yeah, he, and, and broad. He, he's and a shrimp. Broad shoulders. And he's yeah. a shrimp compared to the D lineman. What I'm saying is, it, it's like you got Drew Brees, but he doesn't take hits, right? That's kind of his career, and he still got banged up early, to the point that Miami couldn't pass him for the physical with Saban there. So I'm not saying it's impossible, but history tells us it's a big man's game and Kyler Murray's not big. And I think it's going to be fine until it's not. The, the guy that surprised me was I saw at the Super Bowl and I think it was the one in San Francisco, the Bay area back in 2016, um, Brett Favre walked by and we're about the same height. But I was shocked at how big he was, just how broad he was. And then you think, well, that's a guy who was able to you know, survive in the NFL and play all those games consecutively. You can't do that with a smaller frame. You've got to be able to take the wear and tear. And, and I was really surprised at how, how much bigger he was than I thought he'd be, not so much height-wise, but just his shoulders and everything else. You weren't watching those Wrangler commercials too close. So. <laughs> but, but, and, and I'll say something else. It's changed a lot in the last 10 years. I mean, the athleticism is even, I mean, you think, oh, 2010, 2020, what's the difference? I mean, just eye test, being next to the players, which I'm not around them a ton, but the physicality just keeps increasing and increasing. And who knows if Brett Favre would be taking those hits today? Because yeah. the, fu- the funny thing is no one takes hits like like Lamar doesn't even take hits like the like Cam maybe is the last quarterback that was like inviting it right and Big Ben invited it and again Big Ben was tough as nails is tough as nails but it wears on you if you're 5'8 it's going to be tough 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 so we're straight out of Vegas Collins take away from the huh I wonder JJ why he wasn't more focused on winning his takeaway was hey he's in the Hall of Fame it's nice weather in Arizona. His wife, a pro athlete, probably will like it there, speculating. So no big deal. I think that's wrong, and here's why. It's not just how great 
football players are that makes us want to watch. Fans want to watch because of the work ethic, the discipline, the, uh, you know, just Jonas, think for a minute, uh, there's this player and he doesn't work super hard. He does, you know, he misses practice. Let's say he plays like a NBA prima donna, right? Whoever you want to say in the NBA fits that right. criteria. Yeah. Are you in football even going to be less into that guy? Because in basketball, it kind of puts me off him a little bit. But at least basketball is not as much of a grinder sport. But in football, if I see Brady doing what he's doing, you know, historically, Peyton Manning and all the guys that work super hard. And if I see some hot dog in that's almost as good but isn't grinding, to me, I lose interest in that player. Yeah, it, well, it's tough in the NFL to, you know, just take a quick payday or, or just take a payday, you know, or, or, you know, go somewhere where it's just, you know, solely about the money because the NFL has shown you, well, we'll just walk away from you early. I mean, Kyle Van Noy signed a contract with the Dolphins, a multi-year deal with the Dolphins less than a year ago. They just cut him earlier today. I mean, it just like the NFL is, hey, man, if we don't think that this is worth our while anymore, you're gone. That's and, the Yeah, the coaches in front office is yeah. doing that, no doubt. And, and I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, the, the last point I was going to make is that to me, it's one thing to take a payday. And I can accept that actually. I, I don't love it, but I can. But if it's about, I don't really care all that much. And I'm not saying JJ Watts, that's his position. I'm saying that was Collins' take. And if it, if Collins' right, I really don't like that. And again, I don't see much. I, you know, I think to some degree it might be conflated with that he was kind of a attention getter in Houston, and and that was the, the kind of the um, rap on him. Some yeah. coaches were whispering. I, that's why we know his name. So to some degree, we got, I mean, he, but who knows, does he win the third defensive player of the year if he didn't have a big brand? I don't know, but I don't blame someone for getting a brand. I don't think that equates to them not caring about winning, but I will say this, if you have your choice of places and you don't have a Super Bowl, why go to a below average team when it comes to the Super Bowl odds? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, and, and I also thought about this, you know, is it is it the weather? Is it, you know, him looking at... That'd be even worse. I mean, that's that's the thing. I, I just, I've tried to figure out, I mean, and, and ultimately, look, it's it's his decision. I mean, he do do whatever yeah. the hell makes you happy, and, and that's all good. And if it makes him and his wife happy, and they just loved it there, then then jo- good for him. It just when... Jonas, when the, I, I don't think you've been introduced to talk radio. Well, when the, presenta- <laughs> when the presentation is, I'm all about winning, and I'm yes. looking to go, it's, that's when you look and go, okay, well, what was with that move? This is, this is, you signed up for a job in which you're critiquing people, baby. <laughs> all right, when we come back, speaking of winning, we got a best bet tonight in one of the big games, Thursday night TNT. It's my best bet. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted, and it's money-making time here on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. We are straight out of Vegas. 
And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. We've got a doubleheader in the NBA on TNT coming up later on. And we will start with the nightcapper. It is the Suns at the Lakers right now on pregame.com. L.A. is a one-point favorite. Yeah, see, in the business, Jonas, we do the best bet last, right? It's like Zeppelin (laughs) opening up. So we got McKenzie, pregame.com, NBA specialist. He does a little NFL. I wouldn't trust his NFL as much. (laughs) All right, so line tonight, Lakers favored by just a smidge. It's in L.A. What does this say about these teams? Well, standard home court advantage this year, especially without fans. We're looking at one and a half. So this thing, without AD, the Suns are slightly better than this current Lakers team. Oh, now remember, guys, we had a gigantic bet last week on Phoenix to win the Pacific Division. We got it at 12 to 1. It's already down to 10 to 1. And you look at this, and here's, I got to be honest, Mackenzie, I don't like Phoenix here. I'm, I'm not saying I like the Lakers, but the reason is Phoenix and the Lakers are tied in the loss column. And I think the Lakers are going to look and say, who's this Phoenix Suns team think they are? It might be a statement game for them. And I, I, don't, I don't mean that means the Lakers are going to lo- win or lose because of that. I just like betting against the Lakers when I think there's questionable motivation. And I don't think there will be tonight. It doesn't mean that Chris Paul and this Phoenix team can't win. And again, when we bet that at 12 to 1, we're going to lose that most of the time. But we thought it was, you know, maybe should have been 7 to 1, 8 to 1. And the reason being is I don't think the Clippers or the Lakers care all that much about the Pacific. And if Utah is able to keep the number one seed, they might be jockeying late, the Clippers and Lakers, not to play each other and not looking to win. It could, you know, and Phoenix could slip right by, especially at 12 to 1. Jonas, let's do the other game. It's my best bet. And it is your best bet, RJ, and it's the first of the two TNT games uh, coming up later on, and it tips off at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. It's the Clippers at the Celtics right now on pregame.com. L.A., a five-point favorite on the road. All right, so this is a single-trend handicap, which is very rare for me. But when the trend is gigantic and the logic is strong, no reason to make it more complicated. Our best bet is the L.A. Clippers – Minus four and a half. Here's the rationale. The Clippers, when they're off a loss the last two seasons. So obviously this is a new era with uh, Kawhi Leonard, obviously with Paul George. In that two years now, counting this season, when they're off a loss, the Clippers, they're 28 and 11 against the spread. And when they're not favored by more than eight points, they're 25 and eight against the spread so what does it tell us the Clippers when they lose get motivated the next game they're going to be motivated here best bet Clippers if you missed any of today's show including that best bet in the NBA and a look at different storylines around the NBA including a dark horse MVP candidate check out the podcast at foxsportsradio.com we're back tomorrow 6 p.m. Eastern time right here on FSR right out of Vegas 